This is Ethan, and I'm here with Dave, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 114-inch. On this week's episode, part one of our interview with special effects legend Kevin Yeager, the man behind such icons as the Chucky Doll, the Crypt Keeper, and Weird Al's Fat Costume. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Mahalo to Jim Kimo West for that incredible, pretty stinking majestic, amazingly amazing theme song. And boy, Dave, I am so excited to be back for another episode of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Me too, and welcome back, Ethan. I hope you had a festive weasel-stomping day, a happy Canada day, a relaxing Independence Day, and a pretty stinking majestic National Air Traffic Control Day. Well, thank you, Dave. You too. I always get excited about National Air Traffic Control Day. It reminds me of my friend Amy. Oh, your friend Amy, the airline flight attendant? No, no, Amy, the uh, the architect. Architect Amy. Okay. Anyway, we hope everyone enjoyed our two-part interview with Jim Kimo West, and we wanted to remind you to pick up his brand new album, Kahanua Maluhia Peaceful World, over at jimkimowest.com if you have not already. All right, it's time for us to check out This Week in Burrito Burrito Ads! This week's episode is brought to you in part by vegan burrito restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double-wrapped in a quesadilla Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito, or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering, loaded, dare I say, beefy vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world plant-based real food, always vegan style. Visit BurritoSquared.com or WizardBurger.com and order ahead. All right, now it's time to check out This Week in Weird Al-Related News! So, Dave, you know I'm a major fan of The Howard Stern Show. Oh, yeah, of course. You've been on The Howard Stern Show before. Well... That's true, but I'm also a huge fan. So I was listening last week to the show, and I tuned in right as Howard was talking about unintelligible song lyrics. And so I'm listening to him play some of these clips and you know some of her mumble rappers, all this stuff. And the whole time, I just couldn't stop thinking about Smells Like Nirvana. So, of course, the last song he plays a clip from was Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I was so excited. I'm like, oh, I, I hope he's going to play Weird Al's version. And of course, Howard went on to say Weird Al was a genius for writing Smells Like Nirvana. And then he even played a clip of the song and talked about how much he loved the video. So it's always awesome when one of my heroes appreciates one of my other heroes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome that Howard is such a big fan of Smells Like Nirvana. Wow. You know, I always knew there was something about Howard that I really liked. Well, there's a lot of stuff I like, but I'm glad that you found one thing, Dave. <laughs> yeah, well, there's more than one thing, but the fact that Howard's a Weird Al fan, that's always positive. That's the greatest you can be. Well, there are some exciting updates happening over in our official Facebook group over at group.2000inch.com. 
Patreon supporter and our good friend Mike Minnick, he posted a picture of a custom travel mug that he made with our logo on it. It is so cool. You've got to check that out if you have not seen that yet, Ethan. I love it, and I really hope Mike still has my address. (laughs) (laughs) Hint, 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 Mike. Hint, hint, hint. And our friend Helen Ketchum, she posted a clip of Weird Al performing with Sparks that she found after seeing the Sparks Brothers documentary. Oh, man, I loved watching that video. I mean, it's really cool just to see Sparks performing, but then to see Al surprise the audience and come out playing accordion, it was really cool. So I, I highly recommend that clip. Yeah, that was totally awesome. And Ethan, did you see that amazing picture that our friend UH Jeff posted of his cat Maya in front of an official Gil and Chillo? How awesome was that picture? That was the most awesome, most cutest thing I've seen in a very, very long time, Dave. And Ethan, you posted some information about a very cool Monopoly game that you found. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I I definitely urge people to head over to group.2000inch.com to check out all the pictures and the information I posted. But just as an overview, I found online someone selling a custom Weird Al-opoly. So there was these kits back in the day where you could create your own opoly. That's what they called it. (laughs) And um, I don't know the origin of it. I bought it from a woman who bought it from a craft fair, so she's not sure who exactly made it. But someone put a lot of time and effort and a lot of heart into making this really cool Weird Al-themed Monopoly board and there's really funny, you know, chance cards and there's, you know, every single, you know, street is named after a Weird Al song. (laughs) It's a very cool one of a kind thing. And I just love it. So I I think uh, our audience will get a kick out of it if you head over and check those images out. Yeah, there's some really cool stuff. Have you tried playing it yet, Ethan? I have not. No, I, I need to convince someone. I have a hard enough time convincing people to play regular Monopoly with me. So <laughs> it's going to be tough. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe next time I see you, Dave, we can we can play. All right. I'll get my uh, tiny top hat figurine polished up, ready to go. <laughs> that sound means we have an official message on the official 347 spatula hotline. The official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Let's take an official listen. Hey, guys. Jake Larson here. Love the sound that Kimo made when, when he was talking about uh, being nervous while operating his wah pedal. So I thought it would make a nice ringtone. So I emailed it to Frank. Enjoy. Oh, boy. Okay, Frank. I can't wait to hear this ringtone that Jake put together. All right, Frank. Cue up that ringtone. I'm really curious to hear this. Jake, I love that. <laughs> that is hysterical. That is awesome. <laughs> no good sound clip goes unappreciated on... Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Thanks for making that, Jake. And I I kind of want that to be my new ringtone. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to make that my new ringtone. That is pretty funny. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jake. That was amazing. Thanks for sharing that with Frank and us and our listeners. Uh, hey, Dave, do you know how to read? Of course I know how to read. Do you know how to read, Ethan? What kind of question is that, Dave? It's the same exact question that you asked me. Oh, Well, right. Uh, Anyway, I got to tell you about this book I just got for free with my Amazon Prime subscription. No way. Yeah, yeah. Tell me more, please. So I decided, hey, why not type Sebastian Shepard, you know, my favorite pseudonymic author into Amazon? Right. 
I do that quite often as well. And while I already own the paperback version of his book, The Ruins of Our Past... As we all do, yes. I don't have the Kindle version, nor the audiobook version. Oh, you need those to complete your collection. Well, now I can, because with Amazon Prime, I can get the Kindle version for free with Kindle Unlimited, and I can get the audiobook for free with an Audible trial. No way. What a great deal. You cannot beat free. Well, you can beat free. You could get paid for something. Oh, you mean like the ad we're doing right now? Correctamundo! Well, thank you, David Grant, a.k.a. Sebastian Shepard, author of The Ruins of Our Past, available on Amazon. And visit wolfandwool.com, don't you forget! I never forget to visit wolfandwool.com. All right, Dave, I'm excited. Let's get to this week's interview. Our next guest is a creature and makeup effects designer known not only for Freddy Krueger's makeup and the Crypt Keeper, but he's also the designer of the Chucky doll, and he worked on the Bill and Ted movies and the movie Face Off, and recently he did makeup on the television series Bones, among countless others, but Weird Al fans will also recognize his work on the iconic fat costume. So it's our great pleasure to welcome Kevin Yeager to the podcast. How are you doing? Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, you guys. This is great. I love to talk about Alan and stuff. He's a great guy. So thanks for having me on. I think anytime someone thinks of a Weird Al music video, the first thing they think of is the fat music video. It is just so iconic and it's so incredible. The inflating face and the costume. And tell us how you got involved with working with Weird Al. Well, I, I met Al on a uh, on a TV uh, show years ago. It was amazing stories uh, back in the, I guess we're talking about the '80s, mid '80s or so. Uh, uh, Steven Spielberg and a, and a handful of other execs, you know, uh, decided to do you know a series called Amazing Stories. Could have been early '80s actually. When I think about it. And I had worked for a makeup effects artist named Stan Winston, who you know is famous for the Terminator, the Predator, uh, Jurassic Park. Stan oh, cool. was you know he's world famous. Yeah, the late Stan Winston. Um, uh, God rest his soul. But he, um, yeah, he hired me on a on a film called uh, um, uh, Invaders from Mars, and so I worked with with Stan for a little bit, and then I left and started my own company. Uh, I started uh, do, doing um, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, films. I started with Nightmare on Elm Street two and three and four. I did the three of the films, but that was the first one. I, so I left Stan to go work on that, and I would still do things like run. Um, uh, you know, he, he got uh, the film. He didn't do Alien, but he did the, the second film with Jim Cameron called Aliens, hmm. and I got to run all the face hugger skins for him. So, um, oh. you know, so he still oh, wow. he still used me from time to time. Any kind of bleed over that he'd have, like he had to go to England, so he needed someone to run these skins because they were doing some early tests with the face huggers. So I'd stay back in my little tiny tiny shop. I had a tiny little shop behind, uh, uh, you know, a, a photography studio. It was literally like. <laughs> Like one small garage, like a single car garage. Oh wow! You know, kind of. <laughs> wow. and so I was able. I ran all this the face sugar skins out of there. But anyway, so uh, you know, working with Stan, we got along really well. And again, he was recommending me. So he, when he got this TV show, uh, The Amazing Stories with Steven Spielberg and Toby Hooper directed this episode that Stan was working on. I think it was called Miss Stardust, if I remember. It's about a bunch of aliens, and and Al played um, this sort of cabbage. Head man or something, right? <laughs> I, I guess it was more based on lettuce than it was cabbage. But um, but uh, so they did they did these uh, appliances, but they had nobody to to apply them. And I think at the time Stan 
was in the union and then he left the union or there was a dispute. He since went back, but, um, so he couldn't apply. And, and so he remembered me and I, I had just gotten in the union, uh, on Lost Boys. I'd worked on Lost Boys with, with V. Neal and Greg Cannon, the two makeup oh, wow. artists who went on to win Academy Awards, these guys. But, um, so I just got in the union and, and Stan called me up and said, Hey, look, this is a union gig and I need it. I need, you know, if you're available to come and apply and also help them on Monster Squad. A Fred Decker film. Uh, Stan and I helped. And I helped them apply this werewolf makeup. Anyway, so so he called me up and I said, sure, you know. And he said, have you heard of you know Al Yankovic? Of course, you know Doctor Demento and yeah. all that stuff. And sure, you know he had also done uh, you know um, another one rides the bus, I think, or with that that yep. Queen parody. Yep. Um, right. Yeah. So I, I knew him. I remember listening to that in college. You know that song, those, those songs. And so I said, yeah, that'd be great. And I think Edith had had been out. Yeah, Edith had already come out. I think. And so. The Michael Jackson parody um, based on Beat It, and and so uh, I said, yeah. So you know, I met with Al, and and uh, you know, they had they brought the appliances on, and we did a makeup test, and it built sort of a, it was a cabbage head, and then it, it had appliances that, that that kind of stopped at the face. So from basically, you imagine like a cowl or a hoodie, sort of everything was covered except for his face, and I just kind of painted that out green and tried to do some highlight and shadow. And it just didn't look right. You know, it looked like what it was, which was just, you know, like a cowl and you know, like a hood. And it wasn't, didn't look like he was a part of his actual face. Hmm. You know, suddenly it became, you know, the Wicked Witch of the West from Wizard of Oz, you know, green in the face, but then all these leafy things coming off of the, the oval of the face. So, you know, I just suggested and talked with them about, if, you know, I know this shoots in two days. It's shot in two days after that test. I said, is there any way we can quickly make some appliances that would go on the face, you know, to kind of blend it in and help it work better? And, uh, you know, uh, the guy there who worked for Stan Shane Mahan said, yeah, let me, let me go back and see what I can do. So they, I think they stayed up all night. Like, they, they sculpted them very quickly, and I think they, were, they had rubber molds of actual lettuce leaves that they were doing <laughs> clay presses into, and then <laughs> wow. float them out and then, you know, put them on the, you know, Al's uh, life cast, his mask that they had made of, of, you know, replica of his face. And they blended those off and molded them, and then they quickly ran foam latex. Like, I think some stayed at the shop overnight to do it. And we did another test. I think, actually, no, we didn't have time to do the test. We went right into shooting. And uh, that was, you know, the kind of a sort of fast, you know, high, you know, meeting Al, like, hi, how are you? And then you know, one makeup test and then boom, we're off and we're off and running with the, with, the, with the show. And I think I only applied it maybe four times. You know, they usually shoot those things about in eight days. So I think I, you know, okay. I remember just sitting without, you know, meeting him. He, he's just the nicest person you ever want to meet. Very quiet, you know, very, very private and kind of quiet, um, surprisingly, because you, you'd think that, um, you know, as zany, as zany as his humor is and out there and, you know, he's really, he really puts it out there. I mean, he, when he's on camera, he's just 110%. He's, yeah. you know, everything is in him. He just, you know, just blurts out anything that comes to his mind or whatever. But when he's just sitting in the chair, he's <laughs> a very, very private guy, very shy, I, I felt. And I actually found myself kind of telling him jokes and keeping him laughing. I thought I would be getting like 24 seven, you know, <laughs> Dana Carvey. I worked with Dana, Dana Carvey on a film called master of disguise where he yes. went through 20 years. 20 different makeups, makeups I did on him. And Dana, <laughs> yeah. would, Dana would actually do stuff like just test things out on me and everybody else in the makeup trailer. He would, you know, try a voice like, um, he was going to do this, this one voice and it sounded like Al Gore. So he's like, the planet is beaten up. And if we giggled, if we giggled loud enough, um, you know, he would go, okay, that's a keeper, you know? And, and so I just, 
it was a joy with working data because but I, I found myself not being able to work very quickly because I was laughing all yeah. the time. And, and so anyway, with, with Al, you know, Al was kind of quiet and that's actually a better, you know, patient or, you know, sometimes they call them for me because they sit there, you know, like uh, I did uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 with Robert England, I did Freddy Krueger makeup on Robert and he, um, you know, he just talks all the time. He's a great storyteller and, uh, you know, again, very funny. But, uh, you know, he's just moving all the time. Someone comes to the trailer, he gets up out of the chair, you know. So I, I learned that was like one of my first makeups to do solely by myself. And it was great training because I got to learn how to basically put makeup on a moving target, you right. know. And it really taught me a lot. Um, you know, now I, you know, I ask actors if they can sit still for me and things like this, especially when you're laying edges around their eyes or something. But it was great training, and it, and it helped me to to you know put lay you know wait for you know him to take a breath, and I'd lay that edge down really quick, and then keep moving, you know. Um, but Al was a dream because he was very quiet and just sat in the chair. But and he would say like you know tell me some 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 others. He would want to hear stories about my experiences in the movie business. So I would tell him stuff, and I remember him laughing, and I found myself telling him more stories than he would tell me. But but it was a, it was a great time, and he was just a sweetheart, and he you know known him. Now, as I see, we did that th- over 30 years ago. And, uh, wow. you know, uh, anyway, so I've known him yeah. since then. And, and so that's, that's where we first met. It was, that, it was the Cabbage, Cabbage Man makeup. I don't know what the character actually is titled for that. But, uh, yeah, um, that's where we first met. I mean, how long does it take to apply complicated makeup like Al's Cabbage Man getup? The Cabbage thing, since it had sort of like a hood slash, you know, it had a... Uh, a hood, uh, I guess it would like to be a, a headpiece that kind of went on and kind of tacked down. That was a lot of it. And then the rest were just, you know, blending that down and then covering up, you know, using the, the cheek pieces I talked about, the yeah. lettuce cheek pieces that would blend into his nose and into his, you know, sides of his face and stuff and his chin. And you'd, you'd spend the time blending those to make it as seamless as you could. And then those would kind of overlap, you know, like leaves do or, or petals do on a rose, they would overlap themselves. So it wasn't very difficult. I would, I would, I would, I'm guessing that it probably took about an hour, hour and a half to, to put on maybe an hour and a half to get it. You know. mm-hmm. And again, when you, when you don't have, if you do the same makeup like Freddie, you know, for 30 times, by the time you start, you start at three hours. By the time you're done, you, it's down to an hour, you know, you okay. really, you know, yeah. after 30 sure, days. Yeah. So I didn't get that chance with Al because I think it was only a four day shoot for us, maybe a four day shoot over an eight, eight day period, hmm. but it was fun, you know? And, and, uh, again, he was, he was great in the makeup. A lot of actors will, you know, you know, they're not necessarily complain, but they, you can tell they're not good with makeup. They just don't, they don't care for it. They'd rather avoid it if they can. And other ones like, you know, Gary Ullman, certainly, you know, he just, he'll, he'll come up with ways to torture himself. <laughs> you know, I know that on, on, uh, you know, he, when he did that film, the sequel to, to, uh, Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, and he came up with like, you know, with the makeup artist, my old boss, Greg Cannon, he came up with ways to like pull his eye down. I mean, he's really into it. I think he would, be, would have been a makeup artist in another life, you know, if he was an actor, because he just loved that. It was almost like Lon Chaney did that. Lon Chaney, you know, you know, the original, you know, Phantom stuff, you know, um, would, you know, pull his eye down and, you know, he'd put, he, he would take the, uh, the skin that, that when you boil an egg, that you peel off the egg, that, that kind of fine, like milky skin, he used those as contact lenses. Yeah. And he would oh, okay. take wow. tape and tape up his face. Yeah, it was just tortured himself. <laughs> but it was all—it was all about the look. You know, he was a right. real true artist. Right. You know? um, real Renaissance man. And and so you know, so, so some people like. But Al was great. I mean, you know, he let me do my thing, but he was definitely not a complainer, and you know, dealt with the hours it took. And and, and I think he really enjoyed the process. You know, and and I think again, starting with these songs and then moving into videos, 
them getting these acting jobs, he was he loved it. So he was he was totally into it. And yeah, so I think about again about an hour and a half hour you know hour and hmm. a half to do that makeup. Now Alice told a story about wearing the cabbage head. Uh, costume in that he said that there were actually two light bulbs next to his nose in the costume and it would actually burn his nose uh, when they lit up. Do you remember any of that? Well, I don't remember that, but they could have lit, they could have put lit, uh, things on his collar maybe because to give him, that sounds really familiar to me. I can't, that really sounds familiar. Like I don't remember them being on his nose because there wasn't any necessarily you look at the picture as a place to hide lights, but they could have, he, I mean, in his costume, he could have had a high collar that they buried the little, this is all before LEDs and stuff that they, you know, that they, they don't right. put out and emit any heat. Yeah. So they could have done that because I think that that does sound familiar, like to get to light him up because everything was like, that. Hmm. again, you know, Toby Hooper, who did, you know, Texas Chainsaw was the director. And I remember Toby going around, you know, talking like this all the time and he, he had a, he had a, Big cigar, and it always had a had a, had a diet pepper and a, and a cigar. It was a, that was a, you know the time where you could actually smoke indoors and all that stuff. So <laughs> we'd go around, and you know, he, he loved what we did. But so they may have come up with some kind of zany ways to, to like. I remember all the aliens were lit from below with kind of like if if there was a pink alien, they'd actually put extra pink lights on her or something like that. So they, they very well could have. I don't remember the lights there. But, you know, that had nothing to do with you know. With, with me, you know, that, that was a lighting thing. So if, I don't remember that, but it, there could have been a, an instance where, you know what, I bet, I'll bet you they did a close-up or something of his eyes. Um, and they didn't, it would have been nice to have contact lenses. I don't, we didn't have those, but that would be a perfect makeup to do some kind of green lenses on. But, um, so maybe they were trying to light his eyes up and maybe a cabbage, mm. you know, just to get some light in there. And they may have put two things close for a close-up, and that's what he remembers burning his face. Because wow. otherwise you'd see the lights. It, was, it wasn't a part of the makeup look. But they either were trying to light his face or maybe they put that right up to his eyes and, you know, yeah. and uh, maybe that's what burnt his nose. Wow. I don't, I don't remember that specifically, but who knows. You said it took about an hour and a half to put the makeup on. Would it take that same amount of time to take makeup off, or is it usually a much quicker process to remove makeup? It's a much quicker process. Yeah. Yeah, it's much quicker. I mean, I, I, I you know... I, and it always seems to be, I don't know why, but about 45 minutes for, for a makeup, say makeup and hands. If okay. you've got a costume, if you've got appliances like body appliances, then we're talking about it could be a couple of hours. If it's like a full makeup bodysuit thing, hmm. but usually it's about 45 minutes. I don't know why, but that's always seems to be 40 <laughs> to 45 minutes to take off. And it, and it goes off, you know, it goes, comes off much quicker because you're not, you know, painstakingly trying to, you know, like when they worked on fat, which we could, we'll talk about it in a second, but that it was a little bit much more refined makeup. But there was blending that I had to do around the eyes and around the mouth mm-hmm. and the chin and the lower lip, and then not so much around the neck because he had a you know had a costume on. But he had, he had to be careful around the temples of his face, you know, um, you know, and that that would, that took a little bit more time. So it's always a uh, you know you know kind of refined when you're putting it on. But when you take it off, it's just get it off as fast as you can without damaging. You can actually hurt an actor. You can tear their skin, you know, on a micro level that you can't see, but then you come oh, in the next okay. day to put on that, to oh, put on wow. that damn glue, yeah, that glue again, you know, and it burns and they're going, oh, the side of my face is just burning. You know, it's because you, you know, when you, you were too rough in taking it off. So a lot of times there, I've had actors, I worked uh, on uh, Bark of the Moon with, uh, you know, with Ozzy Osbourne. Mm-hmm. And again, this is when I was working for Makeup Artist and Gary Canham. And we went to do the Life Magazine, uh, a big Life Magazine spread. And uh, Ozzy had, had been in a concert all 
you know, the night before. And so he, he literally rolled out of bed. He ordered, I think it was, yeah, three double cognacs and downed them like they were. <laughs> and he said, just to get normal, he said, okay, now, now I'm ready. Now just put the makeup on. And then unfortunately that, you know, got him tipsy. And so he finally got the makeup finished and got to the, to the, he was in a hotel, it was at the Beverly Wilshire. So we, we went to the room that we we're actually going to do this photo shoot. It was, it was, and the photo shoot was with his new baby girl. And it wasn't the, the one that's popular that's that's in the show with him. It was his firstborn daughter. She was only four months old, mm-hmm. you know, and he was holding her and, and he was nervous that she's going to wake up and see this monster holding. And she, you know, the baby wouldn't have known the difference, but, and so he didn't last very long. I think the photographer, which may have been Annie Leibowitz, is it? Annie oh, wow. Leibowitz? The, yeah. it, may been, it may have been her, I think. But anyway, um, he was like, well, well, I think two rolls of film, you know, back then it was 35, you know, one you know, per roll is like 35 shots, right. or whatever it was. And she just, she was going through them really quick, but he was like, okay, that's it. That's enough. And he left. And, would, and so he got back to the room and he just tore this makeup off. Oof. And oh. now he didn't, we didn't have to do it the next day or anything like that, but um, you could tell he, you know, kind of made his skin really red. And, and so by the time we got back, he was already in the shower. So we waited for him to come out. Of course, he couldn't get half of it off. And the glue was still there. We had to, you know, we had to then work on him after he had gotten in the shower. And then again, he stopped us and said, "Okay, that's it. I'm, I'm done." And we weren't finished. And he had a lot of glue on him still. So we just left a bottle of remover and took off. So, wow. so some people were can <laughs> be, be very impatient. Um, there's other actors who get claustrophobic, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, oh yeah, uh, you know. And it, and I always, you know, do things that we do now, like. Uh, you know, we use steamy hot towels afterwards to kind of soothe the face, and it's the best part of the makeup removal. Is you get the stuff off, and you kind of cover it in this sort of almost like baby oil, the, the solvent, and and it and it's greasy and all that stuff. And you don't just leave them, you know. So you hot towel them, and you kind of you know give them moisturizers and stuff like that, so that to help prepare that skin. So if you have to go back to make you can. I know Jim Carrey on on the uh, the Grinch, he could only work. I think it was three days three days on and then three days off or something or two days off or something like that to allow his skin to repair. And he was covered from head to toe, including his teeth and including his eyes with contact lens. That was a full body thing. Yeah. Look, and it can be quite torturous. And that was like a, I think that was a, I've heard things 10 to 12 hour makeup just to put him into it. So yeah, and it's insane. And then I think I heard at one point that he, you know, I don't know how, how much of this is true, but um, I did hear, and I think it's, pretty much record on record now that, that he, they, they brought in, I think a Navy SEAL guy or some, somebody, I think in the military to help him, you know, calm himself, you know, when it, it claustrophobia and stuff, cause it can be maddening. I've been in full body makeups with fat suits on, you know, um, you know, and it, and it just, after a while you go, okay, I've been, I've been in, I was in this Fox costume one time and I had this little tiny hole. I mean, it may, you know, basically the, the, the Fox has got a snout on him. So, my my mouth and my real mouth is about six inches back from the fox's mouth. So I'm breathing out of this little hole and we're on a really hot set with a fire roaring and all that stuff. Oh. And I, you know, back then I was smoking. I don't, I've quit, I've been, you know, smoke free for 20 years, but I thought I was smoking and it and I just got like, I, I, I couldn't take it. And I had to get the head off. I couldn't breathe, you know? So, you know, it can be, you know, problematic sometimes. Um, so you just try to make actors as comfortable as possible. I think Alan Fat was probably more uncomfortable than anything because this this suit 
was a lot to for him to you know right. to have on and then sweat through and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. While we're talking about fat, let's talk about fat. Okay. As I said earlier, this is you know such an iconic video for Al's career, such yeah. an iconic thing in concert, and it's just it's such an amazing song. And everything surrounding it. So, how did you get involved with the Fat music video? Well, you know, well knowing knowing Al again from from this show is you know he liked me, and I can't remember if the movie that he did the UHF movie was before or after Fat. I think it was after Fat. If I remember. Yes, it was after Fat. Yeah. Yeah, after Fat. So so anyway, so he called me back, you know, because we got along really well, and and uh, it basically came from him, you know, his his suggestion. I know his manager. Uh, Jay, is it Jay Levy? Yep. I think it's Jay Levy. Yep. I remember. And, uh, his manager was directing it, so direct and directed. I think most of all of his his uh, videos. I think Jay did. So they, I met with those guys. They came over to the shop and we talked about you know the concept. And of course, Al wanted the biggest, biggest, fattest guy. <laughs> he wanted to, he wanted to be the biggest thing he could. You know, uh, as much weight as I could I could put on him. Now there's a there's a limit only in, in the fact that you know how do you move in something like that. And all the, in fact, all the extras that we that they hired, you know, to be in the in, in the show, um, there's nobody anywhere near as big as he was, which is was intentional. Right. But they all have some weight. In fact, a couple of them had, you know, I think there was a, a, an Asian gentleman. I'm looking at a picture now, an Asian gentleman who had his own girth. But I can see another another guy that was that I remember had a had a belly pad on. So we it was a combination of some heavy set guys and then some <laughs> some guys that were padded but but Al just stands out as this ginormous you know guy and you know he, he, it, was, it was like as big as you can make it I'm like you know I'd show him pictures no bigger than that bigger than that it's just like oh my gosh so wow. it, and I, don't, I don't think I've seen a fat suit maybe that big I don't know but um, yeah. and of course when you get that big you've got to make you've got to make hands too you can't a lot of times with you know with uh, I did a, a fat makeup on Dana Carvey for the Master Disguise movie, and, and you know, he ended up just using his normal hands because it's not, and people don't really notice, and as long as it's, you know, you're not too heavy. But when you get to be 400 pounds, you know, I, and I, I'm guesstimating that Al was, you know, again, Al's about what, six, no, he's at least 6'2, I think, maybe, I don't know, around there, um, maybe 6'1, I don't know, maybe he's taller than that. I just remember him being tall. And, uh, you know, he, um, you know, he, so anyway, so we had to add the, we had to do hands as well. And those were basically gloves. So back then, now now appliances are all made out of silicone rubber. They've got okay. a very forgiving translucent, it's like a translucency quality to them, like skin does. So you can see light, like a, you can see through an ear, a backlit uh, ear, you know, on somebody, someone's ears. Right. You can see through similar, you know, and, the, and it just forgives a lot of edges and problems. But with foam latex, you had to paint everything on the surface. It couldn't be intrinsically colored. So, you had to paint everything, all the veins and anything, you know, the breakup of the skin, you had to paint on the surface. And that makes it more difficult. And it also makes it, you know, harder to, you know, hide an edge, you know, if you have a, an edge around the blending edge and stuff like that. So, but so with the gloves, we, you know, we decided to go with gloves instead of hand appliances because it was, they could just slip them on and slip them off. And if you damaged them or they got dirty, we could just pull off and yeah, I think we had three or four sets. Oh, wow. I believe it was a three-day shoot. I think it was a three-day shoot. We shot it at Culver City Studios, um, and uh, it's where we shot Child's Play. So I had oh. just, you know, you know, like when I oh, got wow. the call from Al, yeah, we were. I was in the middle of doing Child's Play, and we had already done a sh- part of the shooting in Chicago. I flew back. I, you know, uh, was working on the Al, uh, you know, Al's fat the suit, 
And then, it, it, you know, unfortunately, you know, I thought it was praying that we would shoot after the, after we wrapped. But uh, what happened was that Michael Jackson had shot, you know, the, the original, um, uh, what is it? Uh, what's the original? I forgot. Bad. It's Fat and then there's... <laughs> bad. Oh, yeah, Bad. Yeah, bad. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah his, his original album, Bad, and he had already done the video. And I, they, uh, Scorsese shot it in New York with a real subway. So, but Michael wanted to do a child, a child, a children version, and you know, a, a, for the kid, for kids, that was you know, kind of, I guess, the same kind of thing. So, he had the thing rebuilt in at Culver City. I mean, meaning they wanted they built a, an exact replica of the subway in New York. So underneath, and so it just happened to be there, and I don't maybe that's why Al, I don't know, got the idea, or maybe he fast tracked the song, or maybe he already had it. I don't know. But um, they were able to borrow it. You know, they asked them if they could leave it up after they got done shooting, so they left it up for them. Made a deal with the uh, you know the studios to leave the, the set up there, and that's where we shot it. So it was actually on the same stages in the same studio where I was shooting Child's Play. <laughs> so I would go, you know, after wow. building this. I mean, it probably took us about I want to say maybe four weeks to build everything. Camilla wow. uh, Henneman, again, you know, I had a, a costumer named Camilla Henneman who was uh, excellent. She worked on, I think, Star Wars and a bunch of other things. And she came in and was able to, you know, do some work at my shop. And then she, while I was shooting Child's Play, she would, it, the suit itself was uh, quite a big suit. So, you know, she, I had Camel, you know, uh, uh, work at the shop. But at one point I had to leave and go on set. And so there was nobody really to open up for her. And she was able to take the suit home. So she didn't have a ton of room at her at her apartment. So she was, but she was still able to kind of work out of her house and finish the suit up. And she did, she did everything from the underbody suit, which is the, you know, basically, uh, you know, the, the fat padding uh, look was done in a, a separate suit. And then there's a costume that goes over the top of that. And so she built everything from the costume, the jacket, you know, the, the, the gauntlets for the, the arms and the, wow. uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the gopher and you know I, I did the you know the fat makeup in my studio we already had the fat makeup and the gloves finished but it was a lot more work just to get the suit made she did the boots and she did everything and then all of you know all the belt buckles and all that kind of stuff uh she created all that stuff so wow. and it was only one of them i mean it was you know you normally in a film if, if you'd make probably at least three so you're kind of you know constantly cleaning and rotating the suits but since we were, it was a three-day shoot we were able to just get away with the one but anyway i would i would go then and so I wanted to of course apply it you know I wanted to be there for Al and not have to turn it over to somebody and and so I would go it's like six in the morning 5 30 I think sometimes and they 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 were doing you know the Jay was shooting you know 12 hour days and so we I would go and start the makeup you know 5 30 6 o'clock and we'd have it ready by 7 38 and then I would shoot over to uh, the, the child's place you know, <laughs> things and do a day of Chucky <laughs> and then at my lunch, wow. lunch hour, or, or, or if we weren't shooting, any break, I'd run down and and I left, um, you know, I left the uh, a couple guys in charge to look it over. But I would apply it in the morning with him, and then I would leave, and and uh, these guys would just kind of watch it and make sure that you know it stayed on, if there was any things to touch up. And then I would come back, or they would, you know, I don't, I didn't have cell phones, but I did have a cell phone back then, one of the original giant ones. I don't know if I, anyway, but um, or, or they sent some. They then one of the guys would run up and say, "Hey, you need to come take a look at this." Like one point, I told Al at the beginning, I said, "Listen, you know, this is a lot of kind of a lot of neck and and cheek and 
you know, fatness around the neck. And they said a lot of times when actors get into stuff like this, they, it, they automatically act like they have a neck brace on. It's just, it's like a human, you know, human nature to kind of stiffen up and move stiff. So you'll see people in makeups and they'll turn their whole body as opposed to turning their neck. They'll turn their whole body when they have to look at something left or right. Well, that just gives, it just screams you're wearing a makeup. Right. So I said, listen, huh. don't do that. Like you, this thing can take it. You know, it's foam latex. No, don't worry. And he said, yeah, there's a lot of like, I want to go crazy with like what Michael did, but I want to, when I snap my neck back, you know, when it's that, whatever he's doing, he's whipping, whipping his neck around. He said, I want to go for it. He said, yeah, go for it. Don't worry about it. Well, <laughs> sort of a mistake because because uh you know I, maybe i should have told him maybe 50 percent or something but he went nuts i mean you if you watch that video he's whipping his head everywhere he didn't hold back which it looks it looks better that way it really does yeah but it had torn it just tore the tore the neck right what like he just like someone took a knife and sliced his throat open oh, so wow. they, one of the guys came and grabbed me and said you got to come back over here and so i had to run back down and and uh you know quickly repair it and uh from then on, you know, and I think he had done most of the head whipping part. It was done after that. So, and it, we didn't see, you don't see it on screen. You know, it, it happens so quickly. So you don't really, you don't really see it. And I was able to repair it and get through that day. And then the next day I said, Hey, can you hold back a little bit on the head you know, snapping, whipping around? Um, and so we, it worked out fine. But, um, it was great because he did, he did what I told him, which was, you know, he'd listen to me, you know, he'd tell an actor, Hey, look, don't turn your head this way. Cause it buckles or wrinkles funny. You know, he would he would do that. And it's hard to do that when you're trying to act. And then you've got this note from your makeup artist saying that if you look up or turn your head a certain way, it'll give away that it's a makeup because the rubber sometimes looks like a wetsuit, you know, and you have to kind of... Some actors can, you know, listen and they'll take that in when they're acting, but a lot of times they don't want to be let that disturb their performance, so they will they'll kind of ignore you and, and you have to kind of, you know, deal with that all the time. Right, but right. Yeah, that, was, that was the only snafu that we had on the whole thing. Um, there was a separate person. I can't remember who did his hair, but there was a separate person to give him his look, you know, and back then he had, you know, his signature glasses. And since then he's had LASIK surgery, you know, so, uh, he does, still does the fat suit concerts and I make latex masks that slip on for him. So, you know, <laughs> instead of, so he doesn't have to go through a, this is probably about a, I would say it was probably a more like a two to two and a half hour makeup, maybe three to get him fully in the costume and everything before he was camera ready in the, in, you know, for the video. But um, when he does the, the other things, you know, he's got to go backstage in the concerts and you gotta, he's got to change costumes very quickly and get in and out of this fat suit. So they made another, and this, by the way, this fat suit is, it's all like, you know, fiber fill that you have pillows, you know, that you have in your couch. It's pretty lightweight. There's some weight to it, you know, with the metal and the buckles and all that stuff. It's super hot. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, you can't avoid that. His whole, yeah, his whole oh, head. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he's got a, that's his own hair there. Um, but you know, in the in the uh, in the video, that's you know, they may have put a something. I guess maybe I, I think that was all his hair. He had a lot of hair. So um, you know, that so his 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 head can you know breathe, meaning it's not wasn't all you know completely concealed. Um, I I worked on you know uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music, and I had Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter as Bill and Ted. I had them in fat suits. I mean, uh, muscle suits, very similar to Al's fat suit. And we also had bald caps on them. So that was keeping all their heat in. And oh, we were shooting in 98 uh, degrees of New Orleans. Oof. You know, uh, yeah, it was you know, humid. Oh, it was horrible in July. So, I mean, we had to open the suits up in the back and cool them down. So it can be, it can be actually deadly if you're not careful. You know, someone can, you know, 
get good die of heat stroke. So you have to be very careful. This was an air conditioned with Al. It was an air conditioned, you know, studio uh, stage, you know, so, but we kept him cool. You know, we were able to open and open up the suit too and keep him cool. And that was the main thing, but he's dancing. I mean, he's lit and he's didn't hold back. This guy, Al went, you know, nuts with the dancing. He's actually quite good, you know, yeah. and he, you know, was just moving 24 seven. So he was just, you know, so every night we'd have to take that suit and we'd have to open it up and, and basically dry it out, put a fan in it all night to just to dry it out. So the next morning, <laughs> you know, it would be dry and spray it down with something called Enbach, which is this uh, spray that kind of kills bacteria because it can build up quite quickly. I, I worked on a, on a show with, with Nick Cage called Adaptation where I did this fat suit on him. And we did a you know full prosthetic on his chest and, and his belly and all that when he was naked, you know, or, or you know, half naked or whatever. But for the most of the film, that he he wore an underbody suit that that would go underneath his clothing, and that was a you know had little jiggly sacks of I think we used you know it was lentil beans that we used in, in <laughs> like his chest and stuff to give him a jiggle, right? Well, and that was just pretty standard. I think I think Al has lentil beans in his his breasts, you know, on the oh, wow. thing too. But 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 it got so hot when we were shooting with Nick Cage. And they weren't drying the suit out, you know, and I wasn't there all the time for the, sh I did, I was there in the days that they shot the nude one and I'd apply that, but I kind of turned over to the makeup and, and, and wardrobe department, you know, his underbody suit that he would wear day to day as he played these two characters. So he's in almost every shot. And I think we had, I know we had at least two, maybe three suits, but they weren't drying them out. Well, what happened was I, one time we're putting the suit on and I was there that day and, uh, I see this little green thing coming out of the suit. I'm like, what is that? And it was a little lentil bean sprout. <laughs> so <laughs> these, these beans had gotten so uh, moist, and, and they're in a dark, moist, like underground, basically. <laughs> and they had sweat, and they had some kind of weird, you know, I guess, minerals to live off of, and they sprouted. And it was a, so we opened it up, and all of the beans had sprouted. Oh, Just a couple wow. of them made it. We only knew it only knew about it because <laughs> a couple of the leaves had actually come through the, you know, through the, through the fabric, through the spandex. Yeah. So you have to be careful of that. We don't use lentil beans anymore. That was the last time I, I used them. But I know Al has them. I think Al has them, you know, in his, in his chest, I think. And again, it's just, it, it, it was just a quick way to make, you know, they were heavy, you know, and they would jiggle and, and then kind of move around. Um, since then, we've you know go to plastic and different things. You know, right. heavy weighted plastic and stuff like that. <laughs> so we have to do that. And, and another trick now that we do that we I did on on Face the Music is once they we got done, we only had again you know there's a low budget on, on Face the Music, so we ended up only being able to make you know one set of muscle suits. And I so we go from you know Alex and Keanu to then they do the reverse shot where they were themselves, you know, and then we would shoot over two doubles in the muscle suits back onto the real guys and then we, we pop back and forth okay. so i had to clean the suits every night i had to sterilize them so that you know these actors you know you know doubles that would get in these suits wouldn't go why, am, why is the suit wet and gross you know <laughs> so a trick is that you you use uh vodka we'd go out and get very cheap like gallons of vodka and uh cheap you know stuff and and uh you know 10 bucks a you know, gallon or something and we'd pour them into a tub and then we just physically soak the entire suit in vodka and then squeeze it out and be an alcohol, basically, you know, grain alcohol, but almost pure alcohol. It would, it would, they would dry out very quickly and then also sterilize and leaving absolutely no smell. It's pretty amazing. 
So um, that's Ow. a trick. And it was out with Al's. I didn't think I knew that trick at the time. So we'd have to just stick a blower into it. Plus, it was himself getting to the suit over and over. Right. So I'm sure there was a crotch was the crotch was probably a little damp. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he didn't. He didn't mind. You know, he was having a blast. You know, and I guess you know the heat was. I don't know if he spoke to you guys about the heat, but the heat can be. You know, quite intense, and it was good that we didn't completely cover up his head. That his head could breathe yeah. and let out. I think you retain, you release like eighty percent of your body heat goes out through the top of your head. So having that, you know, able to breathe was was a big, big, big thing. And then we had these three gloves that we'd switch out if they get dirty. And then you take the ones, you know, I had a you know small crew, just two guys, and then I, and then Camelot was there too, and and you know to be able to kind of clean things and prep them. And again, it was only a three day shoot, but. Uh, it was funny, and I was literally like running. I mean, when I say back and forth, I was physically, I'd get out the door of the Chucky stage and I would run. <laughs> it was about 300 yards. Wow. So 300, three football fields, you know, and I would run because they were literally at the opposite end of the, of the studio. It wasn't like right next door. Yeah. It was like, so I'd have to run like three football fields down and jump in, pumping and pumping. <laughs> check on the makeup and then run back and forth. The guys I had could cover for emergencies, but when the neck tore, that was something they just kind of thought, wow. you know, we don't want to be responsible. Right. So they, uh, called, they called for me. I had to run down the set. <laughs> anyway. I've seen this picture floating around of the fat suit with Chucky's head on it. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, again, you know, they were being done simultaneously and, uh, I don't know. I don't think it was my idea to, to do that. I think I, I came back and somebody took one of the mechanical heads and we had, we had Al's suit, you know, on a stand, you know, to, to kind of prop it up. I think it was after the shoot. Yeah. I think it was after we were done with it. And I yeah. just, we had to prop it up on, on now, now it's hanging on my wall. I mean, let me send you a picture of that too. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's hanging on the wall, kind of like leaning out kind of now, but we was on a stand at the time. And so someone just, we didn't have it. I have a head. I've had Al's head in the makeup now on the, on my wall, but back then there was no head on it. Oh, so someone wow. just took the mechanical and <laughs> Chucky. Oh. And I post, I think I posted on Instagram and it kind of went viral. Yeah. <laughs> People love that. <laughs> I think I sent it to Al too. So he may have posted it as well, but uh, it's great because, you know, Chucky's only, you know, he's, his head's maybe the size of a, a large cantaloupe or something. And then you've right. got you know, a giant, huge body, you know, uh, with his ginormous gut, you know, which so it makes for a funny picture. And then people want to know what, what's the story behind that. Well, they're, they're just because they were running simultaneously the two shows. I've had to do that a couple of times. You know, I've, I've had one time I had five shows at one time. It's, I swore I'd never do that again. You know, it's just, it just stresses you out too much. This is enough stress, you know, and I was in my twenties. Yeah. So I could, I could do this. I could do the 300 yards back and forth not with not too much trouble. Now I'd keel over and die of a heart attack. <laughs> I want to go back to a couple of things you said. I was going to ask you if you knew where the fat suit was, and it sounds like you actually do know where that fat suit I, is. I right have now. it. All right. We need to stop the interview right there. But be sure to tune in next week for the bone-chilling conclusion. A huge thank you to Kevin Yeager. Be sure to check out his awesome website with all these really cool pictures over at KevinYeager.com. We can't wait for you to hear the rest of the interview on next week's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Joe and Yvonne from Waiting for Lunch Radio. Waiting for Lunch Radio is a free-form radio show inspired by mixtapes and zines playing a wide range of crazy music and hot, fresh, demented ear food. 
Waiting for Lunch Radio is not available where you get your podcast because it's on Mixcloud. But don't worry, you can also find it at waitingforlunch.com. Tummy grumbling for some delicious programming? Waitingforlunch.com will cure your pangs. Just follow the aroma of freshly baked and curated audio bites with a side of musical adventures and mashed potatoes. Mmm, potatoes. Your host, Joe Navon, love potatoes. Leave a request, demand, or your best hangry impression at 313-883-9275. Order ahead at waitingforlunch.com, a radio zine that's a treat and something for your brain to eat. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota a beautiful it's also western last week we talked all about country saloon in darwin minnesota we did yeah don't don't you remember i remember trying to talk to you about it and you just kept talking over me with your perennial bang nonsense well i don't know about that but dave you really did a poor job of explaining all the ins and outs of country saloon well mr expert be my guest Okay, I will! Wait, Kevin Yeager was our guest. No, you know what I mean. Oh, anyway. So I was researching Country Saloon, and one website called it Bob's Country Saloon. Is that the official name? I have no idea. Alright, what else did you learn, Ethan? Well, I learned that it either has never actually existed, or it's closed for good. Because when I called the number, it was disconnected. So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next expedition. Discover Darwin more than just a twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Each week, we're able to bring you our podcast absolutely free thanks to our sponsors, Burrito Burrito, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, David Granite, Wolf and and our newest sponsor, Joe and Yvonne from Waiting for Lunch Radio. And thanks to our amazing close personal friend, Patreon supporters, UH Jeff, Zeb, Allison, Blair, Frank from the Bank, Kenneth, Jared, Jake, and Javier. And thanks to Stan and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our family-friendly weekly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch or by picking up some pretty singing majestic Dave and Ethan's 2000inch Weird Al podcast merchandise, such as t-shirts, tote bags, tank tops, and more by heading to shop.2000inch.com. And remember, right now, Patreon supporters can check out the first two episodes of the Black and White and Weird All Over bonus episode series, our special book series where we sit down with author John Bermuda Schwartz and we go page by page, picture by picture, centimeter by centimeter through his book, Black and White and Weird All Over. Patreon supporters get to hear all bonus episodes early. Everyone else, stay tuned. Frank said he would post them outside of Patreon once he finishes playing Weird Alopoly. We also want to give an extra special big thank you to our Patreon family this week because not only did we reach our first stretch goal last month, we also blew right past our second stretch goal as well. That means that we did not one but two raffles for our June Patreon supporters. If you are a Patreon supporter at the $5 tier or above, you are automatically entered into both raffles. All right, let's see who won last month's raffles. Drum roll, please, Bermuda! Thanks, Bermuda! 
The June 2021 winners are Crazy Ken and Joe Jaffa. Congratulations, Kenneth and Joe. You win some very cool handmade buttons from our friend over at Bootleg Buttons, plus a digital download of Misbehaving 1989 by Amy Lee and Baby Billy because, well, we had extras and why not? We'll put up a third stretch goal soon, so if you want to help us reach that stretch goal and get in on this month's raffles and all the other pretty stinking majestic perks that come along with being in our Patreon family, be sure to join over at patreon.com slash 2000inch. We love hearing from our listeners and, of course, other Weird Al fans. So join our Facebook community and post about Weird Al by visiting group.2000inch.com. And we also love it when we receive voicemail via our official 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347-SPATULA. You might even hear your official message on the show. For everything about our podcast, including incredible past episodes and guests, be sure to visit weirdoutpodcast.com or 2000inch.com and keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you for subscribing and leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you once again to our guest, Kevin Yeager. Also thanks to Jake Larson, John Bermuda Schwartz, UH Jeff Nucera, Maya the Cat, Mike Minnick, Helen Ketchum, and Architect Amy. Thank you to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible theme song, and thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And a big thanks to all of you, our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Be sure to tune in for part two of our interview with Kevin Yeager next week on episode 115 inch. And as always, thank you for listening to Dave and Ethan's 2000 inch Weird Al podcast. And remember to gill and chill. All right. Well, Dave, so you know how Weird Al played Cabbage Man in the Miss Stardust episode of Amazing Stories. Well, I was thinking, you know, since he's got experience with it, what other sorts of extraterrestrials could Al play? Yoda? Nah, that's too obvious. Chewbacca? Nah, he's too tall for Al. I mean, Al's tall, but that's just another level. Alf? No, no, no. Alf's too short for Al. Oh, the Yip Yips from Sesame Street. Nah, that's just too on point, you know? E.T.? Well, episode 41-inch guest Mike Duquette would love that, but I don't know. Marvin the Martian. Nah, that's too villainous. I mean, Al already played Hitler, and that's kind of gauche at this point. Jar Jar Binks? Heck no! That was Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 114-inch. Podcast that slashes up Dasher, just like Freddy Krueger. I think Al has lentil beans in his breasts. The crotch is probably a little damp.